August 26, 2016, University of Notre Dame student Katerina Goitz reflected on the Gospel reading from Mass that day. The reading from Matthew 25, 1-13 was the New Testament parable of the virgins with the lamps. Whenever I read this passage, I worry and say to myself, well, what if that's me? What if I'm one of the five who fails to bring extra oil for my lamp? This parable stresses me out, but also makes me reconsider how I'm living my life. Am I living in a way that would make me unprepared to meet the Lord? I need to focus on how I'm living today and not wait for a later day to make more time for God. It can't wait because I will know neither the day nor the hour when the bridegroom will come. For Katerina, it didn't wait. And three years later, her day and hour came. On the morning of June 24, 2019, Katerina Marie Goitz died in a tragic car accident in Chicago on her way to O'Hara Airport. She was returning to her job as youth minister at St. Patrick's Church in Galveston, Texas, after spending a weekend in South Bend, Indiana, for the 15-year anniversary of the ECHO program at the University of Notre Dame, from which Katerina had graduated the year before. She spent the weekend reuniting with fellow graduates and encouraging those still enrolled. The night before she died, and into the wee hours of the morning, Katerina spent her time writing letters of encouragement for all the new graduates, preparing to begin their own careers in ministry. Katerina, who had only been at her job for 10 months, placed the letters under their doors as they slept, and by the time they woke up to find them, Katerina had died. Memories of Katerina never vary. People repeatedly call her pure, kind, gentle, and selfless. She lived every day in preparation for the bridegroom, not only bringing extra oil for her own lamp, but never failing to spare oil for others. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Thinking about the probability of dying is something that none of us wants to face. No matter what we do, all of us will pass away one day. Pre-planning your burial is a gift of love for your family. It helps them during their grieving process and ensures your final wishes are followed. Our caring friends at the Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services can help you. Visit cfcsdetroit.org or call 734-285-2155. I think compassion was probably one of our biggest attributes. Blessed is she who speaks gently, lives humbly, and chooses to give freely, for she has dignity. I mean, an example of giving freely, she worked at, um, in Boston at a summer, at a, a shelter, and um, we didn't know any of this till after she died. We got a letter from the woman who ran the shelter, which she said... It's, it started, the letter started out, I know your daughter's shoe size. These are Katerina's parents, Dr. Henry Goitz and Dr. Lorraine Armstrong. Now, my daughter, we're getting various things from people, and we're looking at this, he goes, you may not understand why I'm saying this, but... You know, she would give out, you know, clothes and things for people, but a woman walked in without shoes. There was no size. 
um, that was the same, but it was Katarina's size, so she, she had, gave the shoes off her feet. She had big feet. She had a size 11 yeah. shoe. But, but she gave the shoes off her feet. We never knew this. She would never talk about it or say anything about it, and it wasn't until she died that people were telling us these things that she did. Katarina's visitation and funeral mass at her home parish, Our Lady Star of the Sea in Gross Point Woods, were packed to the brim with people who had encountered Katarina throughout her life and in the weeks and months that followed her death. Henry and Lorraine began to receive countless letters spelling out the impact Katerina had on others. At her funeral, um, her high school guidance counselor said, I'd like to send you a letter that we wrote if you'd like it and use it however you like. Because normally you don't get your high school guidance counselor's composite letter, right? When you're going to apply to colleges. But, uh, and so we got it, which is unbelievable, but it started the first sentence. Um, Katerina was referred to as benevolence personified. Let me read it. There's a couple other things she put in there that um, to say that she's kind doesn't do her justice. Her AP teacher wrote, your contributions to the class made it one of my most enjoyable classes, if not the most enjoyable class since I began this profession 39 years ago. The work she has done on behalf of the community was sustained and selfless. If I were to continue to illustrate and explain Kat's many activities, what would become readily apparent is that Kat's motivation for doing virtually anything is to do virtually anything to help others. While someone truly as good-hearted as Kat might be the brunt of scorn by some, it is a testament to Kat that her peers will be the first to acknowledge, rather reverently, that she is, in fact, as virtuous as she appears to be. As cliche as it may sound, she will make the world a better place. Katerina wanted to make a difference, but she understood that in order to do so in her own corner of the world, she simply needed to achieve small things with great love. I would say a lot of times there's the fantasy that if I do Echo, I'm going to change all these people's lives and they're going to be completely different. But then you realize that you're not God, I guess. This is Katerina in 2017 speaking about the Echo program on a friend's podcast. And so, for example, when I'm working with middle schoolers and some of them are really hard to reach, knowing that even if I don't make them have this huge change in their heart, at least those little changes, I think, is it, is it realizing that you can't do everything, um, but you can at least work towards helping in some way. Um, so realizing that you're not the savior, but like I think that's a good thing because then it's not so much pressure. Um, but just realizing that you know life is messy, and so not everyone comes from the same place where you're working, and some people will be more receptive, and some people won't be. But I guess just realizing that. Even making little changes is important because if lots of people make the little changes, then that can really affect someone's life. I think the temptation can sometimes be to think of some person, like some person in your life, like my youth minister was a big impact on my life. But at the same time, also thinking that I could be that person for someone else. But then I think back on it and I realize, well, she's not the only person who affected me. It was also my parents. It was also my friends. So realizing that you're just one person, but that you can still have a big impact for someone just in the way that you act. But realizing that, you know, 
a second grader might not remember everything that you told them, but they will remember how you treated them. I can't necessarily make everything change at once just because I try it, but at least working towards it, I think, is what works. Katarina's time on Earth may have been cut short, but the witness of her person and her impact continues in real, concrete ways. Like at, at her, the viewing for before the funeral, you know, she wasn't part, she didn't want to be part of the cool whatever. She just was herself um, and did her thing. But um, so many kids that were part of that group that some kids would want to be just came up to us and said she she was pure. She was she was just so pure. She was she was almost too good for this world. But they all said that we we respected her. Katerina Goitz was born January 17, 1994, in Detroit. She had one younger brother, Dylan. Katerina's childhood was full of joy, Irish dance, her pet hamster, and her friends. The Goitz family belonged to Our Lady Star of the Sea Catholic Church, where the children also attended school, later attending Gross Point Academy. From an early age, Katerina's parents could tell she was different. You know, people um, would ask us, what did you do and how you raised your kids to have someone like Katerina um, be who she was? And, and, and the response is having to really reflect on her life since her death is that we really didn't do much of anything other than help them be who they wanted to be. And we really get a sense that it was an innate, an innate, an innate person of Katerina that was always looking to do good. Um, never really would be part of uh, uh, peer pressures or crowds or um, she was always interested in just doing what was right and, um, and and over time when early on people would try to get her to do something like say a bad word or something when she was a little um, she would just walk away and over time people noticed that um, she just was the way she was and if they were gossiping and she sat down they would stop and if they didn't, she'd up and walk away. They realized that this is something that they respected almost Katerina's personhood. And that just grew. She had the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's from the day fruits, one. Yeah, the um, purity, kindness. Uh, she had all those gifts. And I can, I mean, not, this isn't speaking as a mom, but I can never, I can't think of, she was never in time out her whole life. I feel like she's, it's just so pure and so good um, fact, and joyful I think that would be you know we had a lot of um, what do you call it tributes and, and people um, I mean we had probably a thousand letters and I, I'd say if I had to I guess the most common attribute everybody would say and I, I don't want to read them it's just gentle peaceful, caring, humble, and kind, but it, joyful and kind. She was always laughing, smiling, dancing. For her first communion, Katerina made handmade invitations. Instead of gifts, she asked people to donate to Bread for the World and Heifer International. But, but, but in the back she wrote, the So please come to my first Holy Communion. It's the most special gift I will ever receive in my life. And she writes on the on the back, 
We're called to share the gifts we have received by serving others. If you can, instead of giving us a gift, try to fill out one of those forms to help the hungry people in other countries. If you can't, that's okay. And, and this is what she was like as a first communicant. Katerina graduated from University of Liggett High School in 2012. That fall, she set off to the University of Notre Dame, declaring a major in accounting. In her junior year, her parents worried that she decided accounting wasn't for her. She switched to Chinese and economics. Fluent in Spanish already, she studied abroad in Spain. We received lots of things from people afterwards, um, but she, she initially, she wrote, I, her friend wrote to me, she was considering something practical so she would be readily employed. And that unfortunately was our fault. That was the accounting. She eventually settled on Chinese, but her heart remained with her experience in her name and pastoral ministry. Some would question the practicality of such a venture, going from accounting to being a youth minister. But I believe Katerina chose eminently the practical path given the impact she has had on countless people because of her work and her gifts in hospitality, community building, joy, innocence, friendship, compassion, and devotion, and her desire to serve God with her whole life. Indeed, she is reaping her reward in heaven. Katerina spent every summer and spring break of college volunteering or doing service work in poor areas around the United States. Every free time she had, whether it was a break or it was a summer time that she had some free time, she'd be somewhere. Inner city of Chicago, learning about gangs, meeting with people, walking the streets. How do you help these youth? The Boston, it was, um, you know, helping in uh, shelters. She spoke fluent Spanish, but the Hispanic community that came in the area, how to get them a job, apply to colleges, she would help them with applications. Appalachia, rural Appalachia, when she started a college, she had that time to do that. She was always doing something. And then at one point, I think we made a comment about, do you want to do something to have a job of some sort? So what does she do? She finds a college, she's now, because she's so fluent in Spanish, she's translating peace accords and South America's peace accords to compilate it in a book that will University of Notre Dame will use. You know, this is this is what she was. That was in her free time. She just did this. Lorraine and Henry knew that Katerina wanted to make a career doing something pastoral. She was looking at um, jobs that initially you didn't need graduate work. Like she was looking to work in Washington, um, helping El Salvador refugees, and the income was going to be a thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I was just like, Katerina. This isn't going to work. You can't live in Washington at $1,000. You, you can't do $1,000 a month, they don't think, in Washington. And i that's probably the only thing we, we sort of said, wait a minute, you have to um, be a little more practical. And that's when then she, looked, she started looking at ECHO, where she would get her master's in theology. Katerina enrolled in Notre Dame's ECHO graduate program. Students earn a free master's in theology while serving in a parish or school in a partner diocese. While two summers are spent on campus taking classes, the rest of the time is spent on site in service. I mean, this is really perfect for her because in two years, uh, they placed her, because she spoke fluent Spanish, in a um, uh, Hispanic community that basically um, had very little financial resources. So she became a bit of everything. She was there to learn about um, the church and they had an associate school, but she became well, the volleyball coach, the music minister, the, because there was not much there, so she did it all. 
And uh, in fact, she even wrote yeah. that was actually in Houston. Uh, so she spent two years in Houston during her Echo. After graduation, Katerina took a job as a youth minister for nearly 70 kids in Galveston, Texas. Hurricane Ike had recently devastated the island, forcing the six local primarily Hispanic parishes to share resources. Katerina became the youth minister for all six. For 10 months, she worked tirelessly. She stayed in the office until late at night, and when she had an idea to do something fun for the kids or to raise money for them, she always managed to rally others around her to make it happen. I remember she wanted to do a, um, a fundraiser to do some things for the kids, like uh, whether it was a retreat or whatever, and she... And I think youth ministers are always scrounging for money for the kids. Yeah. You know? and so, so she came up with a taco breakfast, and she goes, yeah, we made $2,000, taco breakfast, and you know, in two masses. I don't know how she did this, but somehow she, we just did it, and, and it happened, and, and she was able to use this for the kids. And, and, and they, she doesn't cook. Yeah. I don't even think she, she doesn't know how to make a taco. There are people so. that came to us and said, we never met her, but we knew of her, and we heard of her, or met her once. And she was just a special, she was just a, something special about her. She moved people by her quiet, gentle, soft-spoken manners. Henry and Lorraine have pieced together the final days before Katerina's death, thanks to their own recollections, but also to the countless letters and accounts of those who reached out with their own stories of their daughter. The weekend of the reunion, Katerina went to confession before flying to O'Hara. On the drive back to her alma mater, Katerina joyfully chatted with another Echo graduate about her time in Texas, the love she had for her kids, and how she felt she had reached them through ministry. Katerina had a wonderful weekend celebrating, visiting her old campus, and hanging out with her friends. The night before she died, she had... Uh... She had liked this one young man very much, but he, I think most of the guys she dated became priests. <laughs> so, and so he, they sat and he was going to go back to Ireland um, and they shared a lot and they, she loved adoration. So they went to the chapel and she, she just was telling him how much peace she had. And usually she, she was quite a writer. She would have eight by 10 college rule lists of pray people she was praying for. And that night she said, I I have nobody to pray for, nothing else to pray for. And I mean he, he shared all that with us later. That was it was very unusual for her to have like she had no more work to do here. In the early morning of June twenty fourth, Katerina left South Bend to make her flight back to Galveston. She texted her parish priest, Father Jude, telling him she'd see him soon. They had a meeting that afternoon to discuss how to better help the kids who were struggling. Two miles from the airport, a Department of Transportation vehicle blocked the lane on the Dan Ryan Expressway as workers removed cones. Katerina slowed her car. Suddenly, a Ford Econoline van traveling at a high speed hit her from behind, sandwiching her vehicle. Katerina died on sight, and the driver of the van fled on foot. When the police, this accident happened at, I think, nine-something in the morning, and the only thing they had was her card saying she was a youth minister in the name of the parish, so they called Father Jude, and they couldn't, he couldn't call us yet. I guess they had to be the ones to notify us, but he, 
he, uh, what did he describe? He, he was angry, very angry with God. Um, he said he slipped to the floor of his office and sat there for three hours and uh, just negotiating with God. And then when he all was finished, um, he, he basically realized, you know, we're not in control of these things. And, and um, he went to her office and found a, a coffee cup. And, um, a dirty one. A dirty one. <laughs> and he goes, I, when we went to visit, he said, I, I have to make a confession to you that I took her cup and I'm not giving it back because I'm keeping this as a, as a future relic. At Katerina's wake, people from every chapter of her short life lined up at the door. Preschool teachers, colleagues, professors from college, friends from high school, hundreds of students from Notre Dame, and countless people who had never met Katerina, but who had somehow experienced the windfall of her life and actions. After her funeral, Katerina was interred at Notre Dame. Later, Henry and Lorraine flew to Texas, where her parish in Galveston held a memorial mass with nearly 600 people in attendance. Seeing all the people that came out of the woodworks talking about how she impacted their lives, then going to the mass and seeing these kids um, who came to us, I mean, hugs, you know, the big football players, I mean, just hugs, the parents, your daughter changed our kid's life. Lorraine and Henry knew Katarina was different, but it wasn't until her passing as letters poured in, that they really saw the domino effect Katarina's life had. And going back full circles when we started, it's almost like she was, it's almost like she was given to us by God as a gift and all the people she met to show us how to live life in this world, how to live like Jesus lived in a very secular world and gave us guidelines that we should do it. After her funeral mass in, Gal in Galveston, um, we found in her journal uh, a piece of paper fell out and um, just collecting her books. And she wrote this a prayer to herself. And actually we made bookmarks into it and, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you because it's how we now live life. She's almost telling us how to live. She goes, Dear Katerina, I want you to remember this, that when the battle of the spiritual life gets tough, remember that nothing you face in life, no struggle, will ever be greater than the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. Look to him for help. He will always be there with you, there for you. Signed, Katerina. And I mean, we pass this out to others, and, and we, have, we have people who have it set a nightstand looking at it as we do, because this is how we're to live. As Henry and Lorraine grieved, they realized their faith would never be the same. It would either be lost or strengthened. We didn't want to lose it, so we started going to daily mass and just trying to get through the day or go to the next day. And um, I remember then we were at another homily from Monsignor Bulgarin saying that, like Joan of Arc, you can have cracks in your armor and that what you have a mission. And so we, we met with him, and, and he says, every you have a mission. You wake up to that mission, You and, you know, I don't know, my mission today was to talk to you, but you have to seek that mission. The mission became apparent to make sure that others would carry on the work that Katerina loved so much. Henry and Lorraine formed the Katerina Goitz Foundation for Youth and Young Adult Ministry, providing grassroots funding for youth ministers to support their youth in faith formation, whether that's programming, camp enrollment, or retreats. 
This last fall, the foundation held its first fundraiser, which means they can help more youth ministers in the future, many of whom are ECHO graduates, just like Katerina. This is Sergio Cortez, a friend of Katerina's, who also graduated from ECHO and was one of the first youth ministers to benefit from the foundation. I personally knew Katerina. When I went to Echo, I was placed to work in Houston at her parish. And so she would actually come to our house every week, uh, our Echo house. And she was actually very close with my, uh, my girlfriend was doing an AmeriCorps Vista year, that, that my first year of Echo in Houston. And they actually got pretty close. Uh, they did retreats together. Um, and then when she passed away, it was a pretty big hit to us, as it was to the whole Echo community. And just a lot of churches. Me and my wife always knew from that, from that, from the moment she passed that she was now in heaven looking out for us. Sergio today is the youth minister at the Epiphany of Our Lord Parish in Meadville, Pennsylvania. He works primarily with low-income kids, and fundraising is difficult. He struggles to come up with the funds to even provide food at gatherings. I was talking to my wife one day, and I was like, you know, like I, I really want to do this this trip, the summer trip, where you through the uh, what's it called, the Catholic Heart War Camp, amazing trip. Um, but we really needed the funds for it, and to just really kickstart it, because a lot of our kids are much lower income, and fundraising would be a little hard. Um, and my wife was like, why don't you just reach out to uh, to Katarina's parents? They have that foundation thing. And I was like, oh, maybe I should, and I did, and they helped me out with. Uh, giving me funds for the summer trip, as well as for our youth group, because we were just starting our youth because of my parish that I had just been hired at, um, and we needed the funds We because we, we were barely able to even provide food for the kids. Uh, and two years later, uh, now we're going strong with the summer trips, the youth groups are growing, uh, we are changing some lives. Sergio was able to send seven kids to camp this year, an amazing testament to Katerina's legacy. She was an amazing person. She truly was a saint. Uh, she was a saint, and she is now definitely a saint, praying for us to us from heaven. Um, but uh, not only the way, like, just seeing her example was really strong, uh, and just her passion and love for God, uh, always encouraging. Uh, but in her death, actually, uh, it um, when she passed away, my my girlfriend, my wife, had a uh, sort of a spiritual awakening, I guess you could say. Uh, and she came out of it a lot stronger as a Catholic, uh, and with a much more deep faith. Uh, hence the altars for Katerina we have everywhere. We pray to her, uh, and we've had what we call miracles happening because of her. Uh, whether people would see them as miracles or not, I guess. Um, but uh, we we have both, especially with my wife, that's been the major way she's impacted me. Because the inspiration that her life was. Through the foundation, we're able to have the funds to do that. Because uh, not that money is everything, but you do you do need money at times to be able to you know feed kids and entice them with games and stuff that just are the backdrop for the very intensive spiritual work that we're trying to do with them. Um, and it's it's I don't see a better way to honor her than just changing kids' lives. Beyond the foundation, Katerina's influence continues. The ECHO program created an award in her name for the graduating student who most embodies Katerina's spirit. People have confided in Henry and Lorraine that they believe prayers have been answered through Katerina's intercession. And despite the immense pain he caused, Henry and Lorraine made sure that even the man responsible for Katerina's death experiences her impact. 
fleeing the scene of the crash, 52-year-old William Weinberry turned himself into police the next day. He was charged with reckless homicide, and while a criminal case was brought against him, his attorney reached a plea deal. Weinberry did not spend any time in jail. At the final hearing, Henry and Lorraine were given the opportunity to say a few words. So during our um, statements, um, Lorraine made a comment says, we, we, can't, we can't hate you because, uh, first of all, Katarina wouldn't let us. And, um, and she put it that way, but the reality is we never really felt hate towards the individual, never really. We just wanted him to understand, first of all, who Katarina was, uh, the impact she had on others around her, um, and that now um, that he needs to carry, if you will, the torch to do good for others. Katarina's earthly life may have been cut short, but her work continues. I think letters are the best because you're overwhelmed and and then you can stop and reread and, and, and reread. Um, when kids wrote to us, that was probably probably the most impactful, but then parents, and parents were coming up to us out of the woodwork, um, but the kids do have, um, I don't know where, one of her, her students actually chose to um, take her name as her confirmation sponsor and wrote about how at her confirmation she felt Katarina's hand on her, on her shoulder, um, but is that for... She has, uh, and, th- and this is again, these are the kids that were her kids. And she says, um, she says, Katarina not only changed my life, she changed the lives of every person she met. And so many of them attended a night to share in love for that mass. And she says, I can personally, I am personally doing all I can to ensure the flame Katarina touched me is left burning bright. And she took the name of Katarina of Siena, Catherine of Siena, the name which Katarina took as herself was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I hope that Katarina's joy and warmth will live within me forever as long as I live. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thinking about the probability of dying is something that none of us wants to face. No matter what we do, All of us will pass away one day. Pre-planning your burial is a gift of love for your family. It helps them during their grieving process and ensures your final wishes are followed. Our caring friends at the Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services can help you. Visit cfcsdetroit.org or call 734-285-2155.